Good evening and welcome to tonight's episode of Talking Sports with Evan. Uh, back after a week off last week, apologize for those that, you know, the two or three people that were looking forward to hearing me ramble on about nonsense and being wrong and whatnot, but I'm back for this week uh, talking sports with Evan and there's a lot to discuss. The Packers get a 14 to 12 win over the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and uh, I think it was a good win. It wasn't pretty. The offense struggled after a couple great drives, but they got the win at the end of the day. That's what matters. And there are lots of good coming from this win, things that you can build on. I am also going to discuss about how completely and utterly wrong I was of my prediction. Uh, I was stupid enough to think the Brewers had a chance to win the NL Central Division, and I was completely wrong. I couldn't have been more wrong if uh, I even tried. So I'm going to discuss why the Brewers didn't uh, win the division, why they felt short. And uh, no, it's not over yet. They still have a chance at the wild card with the Phillies losing to the Cubs today, um, being swept by the Cubs and the Brewers currently leading the Miami Marlins. And if the Brewers are able to get the win here today, uh, they will be in control of their own destiny. Um, as they will be up on the Phillies for the wild card. There'll be a game up on them um, as they will have one more win than the, will be a half game up on them as they have one more win. The the uh, Phillies have a double header coming up against the Nationals, and then they have the Houston Astros, while the Brewers have the Miami Marlins and the Arizona Diamondbacks. And at the end of the day, at this point, the Brewers kind of control their own destiny. If they keep winning, they're going to get in. Phillies have a tougher matchups coming up. I know the Nationals are pretty much done, and they're probably going to just go through the motions unless they really would like to see Philly not make the playoffs. And then I know Houston, eh, they may want to, you know, stay sharp going into the playoffs. So they, you know, because they're going to have a first-round bye being the one seed. So they're probably going to want to play some good baseball. So as I said, the Brewers, they have their uh, their destiny in front of them that if they win out, they should be the division. I'm not, I'm sorry, the third wild card. And once you get into the playoffs, you never know what's going to happen. And the Brewers will be taking on the Cardinals in that first round if they get in. And the Brewers and Cardinals have played each other extremely tough this year. I believe the, the Cardinals won the season series um, by two. I'm just going to go double check that really quick. Um, courtesy of baseballreference.com. And the Brewers ended up, just as I thought, uh, sorry, one game behind the Cardinals at 9 and 10. So the Cardinals won the, the, uh, the season series by one. And majority of those games have been close. So you never know what's going to happen in a three-game series at Bush Stadium if the Brewers somehow get in. But, yes, I was wrong. Scott, you are correct. I was wrong. You said I would be wrong since opening day. And at the end of the day, I was wrong. And I'll own it. Um, I'll own that. I was wrong. And now it's the focus on trying to get that wild card and see what happens once playoff baseball starts. Because we've seen year and year and year um, – it's not always the best team that goes on a big run come playoff time. It's the hottest team. And if the Brewers can get into the playoffs, that means they're going to be one of the hottest teams going into the playoffs. So I'm going to talk more on the Brewers and their chances. I know I just talked a bunch, but I'm going to, I'm going to give my thought 
on when the Brewers pretty much lost the division. And it's going to be shocking because they still had a division lead, but there's a time frame in the season where I feel they lost the division. And the Badgers, tough loss to Ohio State. I knew they were going to lose to Ohio State. I'm a homer, but I'm not that much of a homer. And yes, Scott, I know you're laughing at that because I am, you know, a homer. But I'm not that big of a homer. I knew the the Badgers were not going to win the game. I just felt that they were going to cover the 20-point spread as it got closer to kickoff. I think there's around 19 and a half or 20 points. Well, again, I was wrong, you know. Probably shouldn't talk sports um, as I clearly don't know what I'm talking about majority of the time. But, you know, my show, I'm going to do what I want to do and I guess see what happens if I'm right or I'm wrong. But I'm going to discuss the Badgers. And is it that tough decision that maybe it's time that Wisconsin maybe looks to uh, looks to what's next in the Badger program? Um, they, they've gotten a little stale. Player development has struggled. Um, they've had three really strong uh, recruiting years in a row, and they followed it up with not a great one last year and not a great recruiting class uh, so far this year. And the guys are just not developing. And is, is uh, Paul Chris' message grown stale? And I know it's hard to believe that a message can grow stale in the college game, but I just don't think he's, he's connecting with the uh, – with today's players like he was four, five, six years ago. And then I'm going to give my NFL predictions. And I I uh, heard this conversation on a local sports talk program in Milwaukee, and I'm going to talk about it. Is Matt LaFleur a top five coach in the NFL? Is Matt LaFleur a top five coach in the NFL? And... That's going to be that's going to be tough to think about because there's obviously some that are guaranteed to be top five. Um, I think Bill Belichick has earned the. Well, I don't know if Bill Belichick's a top five coach this year, but he's obviously has the track record to show that he is one of the top coaches in the NFL. He's one of the top coaches in NFL history. John Hardball is obviously on that list. Um Andy Reid deserves to be on that list. So I just named three guys right there. So I'm going to give my thoughts if I feel Matt LaFleur is the uh, is one of the top five coaches in the NFL. And if he's not, where does he fall on that um, pedigree there? So first of all, I'm going to talk some Green Bay Packers. The Packers got a 14-12 to win over Tampa Bay. I didn't have a show last week, but the week before that, they got a 27 to 10 win over the Chicago Bears, a very convincing victory. The 14 to 12, the game was not as close to me as the final score indicated. Tampa Bay scores late in that game, and then a two point conversion attempt to tie it is broken up by Devondre Campbell, and the Packers hold out to get the win after Lazard recovers the onside kick. Was it a good win against Tampa Bay? I think it was. I think it was a good win against Tampa Bay. Last year in the playoffs against San Francisco, the the Packers' offense couldn't muster much at all, and they ended up losing that game due to the offense and special teams being absolutely atrocious with a strong defensive performance. The offense through the first two drives of the game and most of the third drive of the game – look completely unstoppable. They put up 14 points on the verge 
of putting up either 17 at worst, 21 at best in that matchup against Tampa Bay. And then Aaron Jones fumbles and the offense struggles from there. And I, I know a lot of people have been talking all week on Twitter, on Facebook, on Sports Talk Radio. Matt LaFleur, lack of adjustments. Is he not? Is he bad uh, in-game coach? Can he not adjust? I think we got to take a step back because I'm hearing I'm I'm hearing people bringing up the Chicago game as in another example of not making adjustments. The only reason why the Packers didn't beat Chicago by more than 27 to 10 is because the offense shot themselves in the foot. They were on the verge of scoring again, and then Rodgers and A.J. Dillon fumble in exchange. I don't really know whose fault it is. I put more of it on Rodgers than Dillon, but they fumble that exchange, which they likely would have scored there. And then they uh, just missed turning the ball over and put them in a long situation when a snap hit uh, Watson in the arm, fell to the turf, and the Packers had to jump on it, and they made things more difficult for themselves there. The Bears did not stop Green Bay's offense really at all the entire game. The Packers moved the ball at will. The only thing that stopped Green Bay against Chicago was themselves. It wasn't that Chicago adjusted and the Packers failed offensively. It's that the offense shot itself in the foot and they couldn't get out of their own way. Against Tampa Bay, yeah, you wish LaFleur would have made some better adjustments at halftime or after that Jones fumble, regained focus and got the ball rolling again, but you got to tip your hat to Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is probably the best defense in the NFL, and they got superstars at all three levels on that defense, and they're a tough team to beat. Like, don't, you know, don't uh, discredit Tampa Bay. Antoine Winfield, great in the back half of that defense. Levante David and Devin White, two great middle linebackers. Barrett, great pass rusher. Vita Villa, he's a monster in that middle. He's the one that forced the fumble against uh he's the one that forced the fumble against Aaron Jones, which he got stopped just short of the goal line. That could have been a score. That's a tough Tampa Bay defense that's tough to beat. And yeah, the Packers probably could have made some adjustments there, would have been nice. But at the end of the day, you sometimes gotta tip your hat and give credit where credit is due. And that's the Tampa Bay is a good defense. And like I said, Chicago, they made plenty of adjustments. Unfortunately, they got in their own way by turning the ball over and fumbling it and recovering again on their own side. So now this week against New England, Belichick, who doesn't quite have the horses this year as he's had in the past, especially a quarterback with Mac Jones uh, likely out with a high ankle sprain, even though I heard he was practicing the day a little bit. But that's kind of weird to me because – it doesn't sound good with that ankle injury. I think it's Belichick trying to force the Packers to prepare for Hoyer and uh, and Jones. And I wouldn't be surprised if Bailey uh, Zapp is getting reps in the first team as well to really try to confuse the Packers on who they need to scheme for defensively against New England. That's what Belichick's the king of. But I'm not too scared of New England. The Packers' 10-point favorites, I think the spread might be a little high. But other than a tough front seven with New England, they don't scare you that much, especially offensively. Will Judge and Patricia are running the offense. But Brian, the, the one concern I would have is that Brian Hoyer is going to run the offense. And what I mean by that, he is a savvy veteran. 
He knows where to go with the football. He's going to put the ball in position to gain yards. And he's going to run the offense, which I don't even know what New England's offense is at this point anymore. But he's going to run the offense as is, where a rookie might run around a little bit because he hasn't quite gotten used to certain things. And his first instinct is to run. Hoyer's first instinct could be to dump it off to Jonah Smith or Hunter Henry or Damian Harris. Receivers don't really bother me. Jacoby Myers, Devontae Parker, Kendrick Bourne, um, the Jordan Humphrey, Nelson Aguilar, Matthew Slater. They don't really worry me as receivers. They really don't. And with or without Jair, Jair Alexander, who had a groin injury last week against Tampa Bay, plays or doesn't play, I'm not too worried about their wide receivers. Obviously, Hunter Henry and Jonah Smith are two guys you have to worry about. But receiver-wise, I'm not too worried. The offensive line has been a struggle at times. Mac Jones have gotten hit a lot. He had back spasms after week one. He had a high ankle sprain after week three. Quarterbacks getting beat up, and Brian Hoyer doesn't move around quite as well as Mac Jones. So I'm not saying it's going to be an easy win, but I'm not losing sleep over preparing for New England. And, you know, NFL coaches, when they're game planning and they're trying to figure out how to beat a team, there's usually a guy on offense that you worry about, and New England doesn't have that. There's normally a guy on defense who you worry about, and that guy to me is Matthew Judon outside of him. You know, yeah, it's a tough front seven, but they don't have anything really sexy. You know, Lawrence Guy, who's questionable, is just a guy. Um, he found a, a good, solid home for him. Guy used to be a Packer D lineman back in the day in 2010-11 season, I want to say. Um, but he's really found a home in New England now. Uh, Weiss Jr. and the, the nose tackle, who's also questionable, just guys, uh, Christian Barrymore could be a little worried about. He's a big body from Bama in that middle. But Matthew Judon is really the biggest worry you have. Mack Wilson Jr. is a solid player. Uh, Bentley's a solid player. And then uh, Devin McCourty, he's a a savvy veteran. And the Packers, uh, he's the free safety. He's a savvy veteran. The wide receivers haven't done a great job consistently in beating guys. And I think that could be some trouble for Green Bay there. But I love the game that uh, Romeo Dobbs had last week. Eight catches for 73 yards and a touchdown. I think they try to build on that this week. I think they try to go more vertical on that this week as he is a speed threat. And I think they're going to try to attack down the field with him. And this is going to be a Romeo Dobbs and uh, Robert Tanyan game. Uh, Tanyan was six for 37 last week. I think those are going to be the two biggest weapons on offense they're going to throw the ball to. And then, you know, never rule out Aaron Jones or A.J. Dillon. I'm not too worried about New England. Like I said, there's nothing that scares me. I know Belichick's great at taking away what your offense does well and forcing you to beat you other ways. Well, the run game, you take it away from Green Bay, you still got Aaron Rodgers. Bakhtiari played really well for me, in my opinion. He played really well. Didn't look like he missed a beat. Wouldn't be surprised if they keep doing that rotation with him and Yash Nijman back and forth. Wouldn't surprise me at all if that's what they continue to do. This week, as Bakhtiari continues to get his legs under him and gets his football strength and speed back up, 
Jenkins has played solid football through two weeks back. Uh, week two wasn't his best game, but it wasn't bad. And last week he played much better. And the Packers' O-line is going to continue to get better as they continue to grow with one another and to get more comfortable with one another. So this should be a Packer win. And one discussion I heard on Sports Talk Radio this week, Colin Cowherd brought this up, and I heard it talked about on shows locally, is that this Packers schedule coming up is not going to be good for the Packers because it's an easy schedule. Well, first of all, it's always hard to win in the NFL, but the Packers have coming up after the Patriots, the Giants, the Jets, the Commanders, and the Bills. And remember, the Giants game is in London, England, which is always a tough place to play. The Packers have not played in London yet. So that I would circle that game as a potential upset alert. But the, the Patriots, the Giants, the Jets, and the Commanders are all games the Packers should win. And they're all games that they should be able to build some confidence offensively, which has been a struggle at times through three weeks. They should be able to gain some consistency, gain some confidence against the Patriots, the Giants, the Jets, and the Commanders as they get ready for Sunday night football against the Buffalo Bills. That's that's kind of where I'm at right now with the Packers schedule. I think the... I think the Packers' schedule is fine, and I think they're going to be fine. And it's like I said, it's perfect to get them ready for what's to come when you got a tough Buffalo team, a much-improved Detroit Lions team, a Cowboy team that may or may not have Dak Prescott, and then a Titans team that loves to run the football. So you're going to have to work on trying to stop the run. And then you got the Eagles again. So after those four that should be wins. You got tough games. Like I said, you got the Bills. You have the two games on the road in Buffalo, in Detroit. Then you have two at home against the Cowboys, against the Titans, Thursday night football, which it's always hard to play on Thursday night. And then you got the Eagles at, on the road on November 27th, again on Sunday night football. So good tune-up games for Green Bay. Good opportunity to get things right, get things moving. Get lathered up when you get in that tough stretch. I know Detroit's defense isn't great, but you still got to get some lather going and get moving a little bit offensively. So NFL schedule this week. Week three. So the Dolphins and Bills are underway. I mean, sorry, the Bengals and Dolphins are underway. So I'm going to leave that game alone. But the Vikings and the Saints in England, I think I'm going to take the Saints in that one as the Saints defense is tough and they're physical and they're going to get after Kirk Cousins. And um, Cook is a question mark in this game. Lattimore is one that can get in your head. And he's going to do his best against uh, Jeff- Jefferson. And I think the Saints end up winning a defensive slugfest in that one. I just don't think the Vikings are going to move the ball really well against the Saints. Detroit and Seattle. Detroit wins that game, in my opinion. Their offense has been very good. Detroit has found ways to lose games continuing as they should have beat the Vikings, but they found a way to lose against Minnesota. Now they got Seattle. I think it's going to be a Detroit route as Seattle has become more of a throwing team, but their quarterback isn't very good. Jets and the Steelers. I think the Steelers get this victory. Uh, Zach Wilson hasn't played quarterback in several weeks because of a knee injury. I think he's going to be some rust to him, and I think the Steelers pull off that victory on Sunday. The Bears and the Giants. The Bears offensively are still continuing to suck. 
I know they have a, uh, a struggling offensive line and they have a first-year coordinator, uh, wide receiver core that's not the best, but they found ways to win two games. They won once in a, a slap fest against San Francisco, and then they ended up holding out off against the Houston Texans. I think the Giants win this game. On the road, in New York, I think the Giants beat the Bears. Titans and the Colts. Two uh, two of the uh, top picks for that division, and both teams struggling. I think the Titans win it. I think Derrick Henry is poised for a huge game. I think the Colts are going to struggle to stop the run. I think Matt Ryan makes one too many mistakes. And if you can build a lead against the Colts, you eliminate the Jonathan Taylor effect because you're not going to run the ball a lot when you're behind. I think the Titans win that one. The Chargers and the Texans, even with uh, Herbert dealing with the rib injury, if Herbert plays, the Chargers win. Just They're much more talented than Houston. Houston's been playing tough this year. But I just think it's uh, the Chargers have better talent. So I think the Chargers get that win. Falcons and the Browns. This this would be a perfect time for you to take a nap. As both teams are boring. I think the Browns get the win. But it's going to be a boring game. I'm just going to leave it at that. Cowboys and the Commanders. I think the Cowboys get the win. Rush is playing pretty good football. Um, the defense is playing solid for Dallas, and the Commanders are just not that good defensively. You'd think they'd be better. They're just not. Upset watch. And I know you're going to think I'm crazy because the Eagles look like the best team in football, 3-0, and destroying everybody. Look out for the Eagles. Get them the... Uh, Give them the Super Bowl now. Give Jalen Hurts the MVP now. But I think Jacksonville comes into Philadelphia, and I think Jacksonville steals the victory. I think they're going to shock people. I think Jacksonville gets the win. Probably the game of the day. I'm surprised it's a 12 p.m. game and not a 3:20 or a 7:20 game, rather than uh, Chiefs Buccaneers. I think the Bills Ravens is a little sexier. You know, the Buccaneers have a lot of injuries, so. Their offense isn't that great. Even uh, even if they were healthy, I think they have limitations offensively. But anyways, I'm talking Bills and Ravens. I think we're going to have a high-scoring affair. I think Lamar Jackson pulls it out just because it's at home in Baltimore. Carolina and Arizona. Arizona gets the win. Carolina is just bad. They should just fire their head coach. And I don't, I don't wish to see another man lose his job. Um, but... You're going to get rid of him at the end of the year anyways. Make the move now. Get an interim in there and get some young guys playing and try to build for next year. The Cardinals get the win. Broncos Raiders. Broncos country, let's ride. But you're going to ride to an L as I think the Raiders get their first victory of the year. All you've heard all week is how the Raiders are a very bad 0-3 team and the offense can't find rhythm and Devontae Adams this, Devontae Adams that. He's struggling. But I think the the Raiders get the victory. I think they get their first win of the year uh, at home against the Broncos and they win that one running away. I think Wilson struggles in that one. Already talked Patriots-Packers. So I'm going to jump to Chiefs and Buccaneers. Kansas City wins this game. I think Tampa Bay's too beat up. They don't have the offensive firepower to keep up with Pat Mahomes and company. 
and Kansas City gets that win. And Rams and 49ers, Monday Night Football, never know what's going to happen when Sean McVay goes up against Kyle Shanahan. Never know what's going to happen. But I think we know what's going to happen. The Rams just have too much talent. I think they squeak out a victory. It's going to be a hard-fought game between the two teams. And McVay gets the victory over his former pupil. So that's my NFL thoughts on the week. Jumping, I'm going to I'm gonna table the NFL head coach talk. I'm going to table that for now, as I don't want to bore you any more than I already am. I'm going to talk some Brewers and when the Brewers lost the division. So like I said, I was 100% completely as wrong as any person could be in predicting the Brewers winning the division. You know, maybe I had my my Brewer goggles on too tight, but this on paper looked like a team that was going to compete for a division. And on paper, they do look like a team. The pitching rotation they have, the bullpen that they had, and you have just enough offense to keep you in games, and you have a good enough bullpen to win games at the end. And you could shorten games and not allow a lot of runs, and you'd be fine. But unfortunately, like I said, I was wrong. And the Cardinals were just a better team this year. Brewers got super ice cold in June, and that definitely hurt. But the Cardinals aren't a great team, but they're better than the Brewers this year. And when it matters, they won the division. So I was wrong. So maybe I shouldn't make predictions anymore. I know my win-loss total has been pretty accurate on the Brewers over the last several years. This year, I'm off big time. But I've been close uh, most of the time the past four or five years. But Brewers are guaranteed to finish above 500 again. The only time they haven't in the last, since 2017, the only time they did not finish above 500 was the COVID shortened year. If you play a whole 162 game season that year, maybe they win 81, 82 games. We don't know. Never going to know. I'm not going to say that team would have blew, you know, ran away with the division or anything like that because that team wasn't that good, but maybe they, they have a winning record. So I mentioned I'm going to point to when the Brewers officially ended up, in my opinion, losing the division. So they took two games against the Cubs on the 30th. They beat the Cubs seven to six. And then three to one to go to 32 and 18. Best start in Brewers history. Up four games in the division. Then they lost to the Cubs the next day. They lost to the Cubs again. They lost, they beat San Diego, but then they lost eight in a row. So that was one win in in nine tries. It's, uh, yeah, one win and nine tries. They lost eight in a row. So they were, when they started that eight game losing streak, they were up three games in the division. They beat the Padres five to four in walk off fashion. Everybody's happy. And then they lose seven to nothing, four to nothing, six to four and extra, three to two, 10 to nothing, eight to three. 11 to 5, 8 to 6, before they finally beat the Nationals 4 to 1. And then they struggled against the Mets, um, losing 2 of 3 against the Mets before they got a nice uh, four game win streak going. 
but they went from having a three-game lead to at the end of their losing streak, they had a game. They were up uh, by the end of the losing streak. They were 1.5 behind. So during that eight-game losing streak, the Cardinals lost four times during the Brewers' eight-game losing streak. So you start the eight-game losing streak three games up. And if you win those four head-to-head matchups, you win and the Cardinals lose, that's seven games. And it's going to be much tougher for the Cardinals to come back down seven because they were they were up one game at the end of June. That eight-game stretch in June, to me, is when the Brewers officially lost the division. That's when they lost the division. And June was a rough month. July, their average team, but unfortunately, they could only build that lead up to three and a half, three uh, four games as their their ceiling mark on July 30th. They beat the Boston Red Sox nine to four. Then they got destroyed by Boston seven to two the next day. And then they started the month of August with three straight losses after they trade Josh Hader. They lose to Pittsburgh five to three. They lose to Pittsburgh eight to seven. And Devin Williams gives up a walk-off home run on one pitch. The next day, Bush gives up a walk-off hit in a five to four loss. Then they beat the Reds, and then they lost two to the Reds. So Brewers not a horrible team. I think they should have won the division. They didn't. I was wrong in that regard. But it that, that stretch in June and the end of June, twelve and fifteen, um, their second worst record of the year. Twelve and they finished twelve and fifteen in August as well. So June and August is really when the Brewers lost it. And because you look at Arizona, you look at St. Louis. I mean, they went fifteen and fourteen in June, just enough to tread water. Eleven and thirteen in July. The Brewers went. 13 and 12 in July. They did work, didn't win enough to build that gap. And then in August, the Cardinals go 22 and 7 and just run away with things. And in, in September, the Brewers and Cardinals are pretty even. Brewers 14 and 12 coming into tonight. The Cardinals 14 and 11 coming into tonight. So that stretch in June, to me, is when the Brewers officially lost that division. Even if they did have division leads after that. By not capitalizing on the Cardinals, not playing good baseball in June. Because like I said, the Cardinals went, well, Cardinals went 15 and 14 in June. And they had a four-game losing streak during the Brewers' eight-game losing streak. That's to me when they lost it. So I guess hopefully they can make the playoffs, win the wild card, and see what happens once they go to St. Louis for a best of three if they're able to uh overtake and hold off the Phillies. So I'm going to stop there. 30 minutes. It's 30 minutes too long, I'm sure, for 99.9% of you. I'm going to talk Badger football next week, give my state of the program address. I'm going to talk NFL head coaches and where Matt LaFleur uh, resides in the hierarchy of NFL head coaches. And Hopefully talking Brewer baseball still, as hopefully they're playoff bound when I come to you next. This has been Talking Sports Sports with Evan. You can find me on Twitter at Evan with Sports. You can email me, 
talking sports with Evan at gmail.com. You can uh, find me on Facebook by searching talking sports with Evan as well. With that, have a great rest of your night. Have a great weekend, and I will get back at you next week.